Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I want to read, first of all, um, from Romans 8, 15 and to 25. And uh, it says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful as slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we can call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children... We are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at being heirs of Christ. Piper says this, we're not only just heirs, we're cosmic heirs. <laughs> we're heirs of universe. We are, it's, it's massive what Christ has done for us, but as heirs, we also share in his suffering. So as well as sharing in the glory and in the future and in the eternity, we also now in this present moment share in his suffering. Verse 18 says this, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us Later, and so we see Paul put in like on a scale, and he's got a scale of the future glory, the future inheritance of the heirs of Christ, the new heaven, the new earth, the glory of the Lord filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. And he's saying that's on one side of the scale, and on the other side of the scale is our present suffering. Now, it's hard to diminish our present suffering, and it's even harder to diminish those in Ukraine and those in Afghanistan and those in parts of Africa, etc., etc. Their present suffering is awful. In fact, it puts into kind of comparison what we thought was suffering through COVID. Do you know that it's like there are degrees? But Paul is saying even with that compared, that's the word used, compared with the future glory that's on the other side of the scale, it is not, it's small. And I say, I don't want to make it trivial because if you're in a bomb shelter now, definitely it is not trivial. I got a little message from someone who's hiding the other day. And again, it's not insignificant. But what Paul wants to try and help us, because he was in a time of great suffering. He suffered massively, shipwrecked, whipped, uh, imprisoned, in the end killed. And he's saying, look, the future glory, the future glory that we are going to be heirs of, the inheritance of, nothing compares. And it's really important that we actually hold on to that truth. Otherwise, the present suffering overwhelms us emotionally. And so he goes on to to say 
For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God's will will be revealed, who, who are his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse, but we, with either hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in the glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that the creation has been grown in as in the pains of childbirth. So we're looking at the fact that not only are we suffering, but because of our sin, creation is suffering. Somehow creation was cursed because of our wrongdoing. You know, I go hiking. And uh, one of the tragedies is to see forests in the Peak District that are now being cut down because they're decaying because of viruses and fungi that have got into them that are killing them. And, and you just see whole woods destroyed. And part of it is because of the sin that they didn't do, but we did. And it's saying that creation now is groaning in anticipation of this glorious new heaven and earth. Beautiful, but there's a groaning going on, but it's a groaning of hope. And then it says this, for we all know that the, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. So creation's groaning, people we know are groaning, even with the Holy Spirit, even with the power of God, we are groaning. And this is some of the kind of kind of complex thing of life that there is this future deposit of eternity in us and yet it's in a suffering, broken world. And we have to have a robust theology of the future glory of God's kingdom breaking into earth, healings, miracles, everything happened, but in a suffering, broken humanity where death does come. And so having that robust confidence in God to make his will be done on earth. And there's a groan. And we know it. We groan. There's a groan going up in humanity. For we know that creation has been growing and we believers have been groaning, even though we have the Holy Spirit. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. You know, when you, I'm 66 this year. When I get out of the car after a 10-mile hike in the Peak District, you know, I, I look like a robot because everything is seized from the hour of driving back. It's very embarrassing. But our bodies are decaying, and uh, that is it. But he too, we too will wait, eagerly wait for the hope when God's will give us full rights as adopted children, including new bodies he's promised us. It's good news. We were given this hope when we were saved. Okay, verse 26, which is where we're coming to. So, so there's a groaning of creation. There's a groaning of the people in this broken world. And verse 26 says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all our hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. 
So you can see, just putting those two verses with the groaning and the spirit without the context that actually it's in a bigger context, it doesn't make too much uh, sense. And so there's a groaning going on. And uh, first thing I want just to point out is that the groaning that's going on with creation, with the people of God, with the spirit groaning with us, is not a groaning of futilistic despair, but it's a groaning of hope. It's a groaning of God at work. It's a groaning of a future glory. And uh, so God has put something in us, and uh, uh, Claire will know soon. Because there's a, in the groaning of a child being born, there is a future. And that's what Paul is saying. It's like the groaning of childbirth. That at the time is for something beautiful. And, um, you know, we have a lot of pictures that go around uh, Lady Bond, where I normally am, because there's a baby about every month at least being born. What you don't get is a picture of groaning. You get a picture of a lovely, gooey baby, <laughs> which is appropriate <laughs> on WhatsApp. And you understand. But do you understand? I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a groaning in the people of God and in the spirit within us, as well as creation, that's a groan of hope, not a groan of despair. And so Paul now talks about the spirit at work within us. That is uh, praying with us. And so I want to look at two or three aspects just in this verse very quickly. And it says this in 26, that the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit helps us, it says, in our weakness. You know, as I said, our bodies are <laughs> decaying. This world has decay and brokenness written all over it. It does make us weak. And uh, I was just reading, uh, and this is not a political point, it's just to, to emphasize the kind of weakness. There's 6.1, no, 6.04 million people on consultant-led waiting lists, waiting to just get into the system because of their broken minds and their broken bodies. That is just a fact in the UK and all over the world, just emphasising that we are weak. And as we get older, you don't get stronger. <laughs> you know, it's just the weakness of humanity here. But it says this, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. In Matthew 26, Jesus is praying with his disciples. He knows he's going to the cross and he's praying prayers from his inner being. God, if it's, if it's possible, if it's possible, take this cup from me. He's kind of, it, it, there's, a, there's an agony there knowing that he's going to the cross. You know, but your will, God, you do it. And yet he's got his guys with him who Basically, said, will you pray? You know, I'm going to go. Will you pray with me? And, you know, he says in verse 40, he returned to his disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch for even an hour? And uh, for the spirit is willing, he said, but the body is weak. And the Holy Spirit, this is the encouragement, helps us 
in our weakness. And, uh, you know, we have weak minds as well as bodies. I was in, you know, I had six months off because I just had a mental breakdown a a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I I just got a cup of coffee one day and burst into tears. And and just my world collapsed. And uh, I got in a car uh, another time, looked at the sat-nav and it went wrong. And I just burst into tears. It was like I couldn't cope with anything. And, uh, you know, that is, I know a lot of people's uh, testimony. And uh, six to nine months it took me to get back and to normality, if that's whatever that is. <laughs> but do you understand? And, and uh, we're weak. We're weak in body, we're weak in mind. But the Holy Spirit, that is the good news. That is the great news that Paul is saying. In our weakness, the Holy Spirit helps us. And then he gives us an example of a weakness. I've given you a couple of examples. And he says this, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Man alive, is that so true today? Have you ever tried praying for Putin? I mean, unbelievable. My prayers go from destroy him, have mercy on him, save him, let good come out of him. Do you know, I must have prayed every, like a circle of prayers, do you know? And sometimes I feel bad for praying one prayer. Do you know, have you, it is desperately difficult (laughs) to pray for certain things like this. And uh, it's a bit like praying for elderly people when someone you know, says, can you pray for this person? And you know they're going to be with Jesus. You know, you know that actually, how do you pray? How do you pray? I'm just giving you some current examples. I'd say our lives are full <laughs> of these kind of situations where we just don't know how to pray. Someone says, can you pray for the job that I want to go for? And you think, well, it might take you away from your family more. Do you know? How do I pray? They've asked me to pray. They want the job. And I know some of the downsides of that job. Lord, have mercy. (laughs) What Paul's saying is here, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. That is such good news. Such good news for uh, people like myself, um, and, uh, and it says that, um, uh, then it goes on to say this, the Holy Spirit prays with us with groanings that cannot be expressed with words. And uh, I was with a load of leaders on uh, Friday morning, and there was a, a very smart theologian, very lovely guy, who was uh, kind of leading the Bible study. And before I stopped, started, I put my hand up. I said, could you not preach on what you're preaching on? Could you preach on Romans, on what groaning is? <laughs> and uh, actually, he did give me an idea. But um, you know, it's not the easiest kind of kind of thing to get your, to get your uh, head around. But somehow, 
as the humans groan in this broken creation with a groan of hope in anticipation, like Chadworth, as creation is groaning, that actually what the promise of this heaven and earth was like when God created it, somehow that they would get back into that in the new creation. Then the Holy Spirit is praying with groans, too deep to understand. It's groaning within us and uh, praying on our behalf, identifying with the groans of humanity. Holy, in Psalm 21, 22, 1, it says this, my God, my God, you have abandoned me. Why are you so far away when I groan for help? And, you know, there's, and, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit somehow is identifying with our pain, with our confusion sometimes, with how it goes. There's an inner, one commentator says this, there's an inner belly groan of pain, longing aspirations and grief which wells up from the depths of the spirit and cannot be imprisoned within the confines of everyday words. And that is true. It is the confines of everyday words that we struggle sometimes. It's like as soon as you try and contextualize what you're feeling, what you want in words, it doesn't seem adequate. I mean, it's interesting that the opposite is true as well. Peter says this in his letter. You love, even, love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. It's like on the other extreme. It's inexpressible, the joy that is in you. And so the Holy Spirit prays with groans in our inner beings. You know, some people um, and uh, believe that kind of speaking in tongues is, could be what Paul is um, talking about here. And that, that, that could easily be true. There's no doubt that speaking in tongues when we're in difficulty, when we don't know how to pray, is, is, is God's way of helping us. I don't think it's totally what Paul is saying here, but it's definitely true. That's why Paul would say, look, I speak in tongues more than anyone. I mean, he was suffering. He was shipwrecked. He had all sorts of hassles going on. He, had, he said, I have the cares and the burdens of the church on me. And he said, I pray in tongues more than any because something of the Spirit praying. But there's kind of something in what Paul is saying here about the Spirit in our inner being, groaning, praying. And he then goes on to explain a little bit more. It says in verse 27, and the Father who knows all the hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. So there's something about in our heart, in our inner being. God knows our hearts. God knows what's coming out there. And the Spirit praying there, he, he said, God knows. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. That's just fantastic. There's something, what Paul is saying, he said, deep within us, the Spirit is praying. The Spirit is groaning. When we don't know how to pray <laughs> for leaders and for jobs and for family and for death 
and for new life. The Spirit prays, groans in hope according to God's own will. This gives me real encouragement, even if it's hard to kind of fathom it out, hard to articulate it, knowing that Paul understood this, that the spirit within us is praying with groans that are what God wants. It says in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know, when I sit down and stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm afar away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to understand. So the Father knows us so intimately and the Spirit inside us knows and is praying those prayers that we don't know how to pray in accordance with the will of God. I just want to encourage us that God is at work in us. God is at work in us. So just a few things, just to uh, start wrapping this up. The Father knows our hearts. The Spirit pleads for us. As believers, and now he says, intercedes for us. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the counselor, the comforter, the helper. <laughs> That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. It's helping us in a harmony, as I said, with God's will. John says this in his letter, we are confident that he hears us whenever we are asking anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when he, we make our requests, we also know that he has gives us what we ask for. And there's something about the spirit inside us that's in harmony with the will of God that brings about God's will on earth. So, in conclusion... As I said, groaning in these passages, a groaning of hope, a groaning of anticipation, a groaning of faith and future. And, uh, you know, Jesus, when he was walking this earth, he met a man who was deaf from birth and had a speech impediment because of that. Was, uh, couldn't uh, be understood much. And uh, it says, Jesus came to him and put his fingers in his ears and spit on his fingers and put them on his tongue. Amazing thing is this, that for a man who couldn't hear, what a brilliant way to communicate something to him. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to do something with your ears and I'm going to do something with your tongue. And then it says this, Jesus looked up to heaven and sighed. Jesus looked up to heaven and sighed. Something in him. Not a groan, but it's that type of inner thing happening. And he says, which means be opened. Instantly the man could hear perfectly. His tongue was freed so he could speak 
perfectly. Here's Jesus, something sighing inside, but then praying as well. And suddenly a miracle is taking place. You know, this same Jesus was the Jesus that a little later went on a cross and breathed his last, died for the broken world so that the broken world could groan with faith, (laughs) so that creation could groan with faith, so the spirit that was given us after his resurrection from the dead could groan within us in anticipation of God's will being done on earth.